Blog Talk Radio. Blog Talk Radio. This is All About Wine, the talk show dedicated to the wine industry since 2009. Featuring winemaker, cellar master, vineyardist, and tasting expert, Ron. Basically, what we're trying to do on this program is just trying to educate people and trying to make wine less confusing and more friendly. From coast to coast and around the world. You know, we really have had some some neat people on the program. I, I just, I love that. Post your questions and comments during the live show on our Facebook page at www.facebook.com forward slash allaboutwinebtr. Again, that's www.facebook.com forward slash allaboutwinebtr. And now, All About Wine is on. Here's Ron. <laughs> And we are actually here. We are live. We are live. It is uh, right. August the, uh, no, whatever it is. It's August something. Sixth? Eighth? August the sixth. 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 Okay. Sixth, Good. Yeah. I'll take it. Yeah, awesome. August sixth. But we're yeah, actually live. Um, Last week we weren't live. Last week we weren't anything. Uh, actually, Mike and I were just talking about this Facebook. We hooked up a little bit early, so we talked about it. And last week we couldn't hear each other. And we couldn't figure out what was going on. And we're saying, Mike, you there? And he goes, Ron, you there? And yeah. so we started to text back and forth to each other. And finally we called in uh, on the guest line and talked to each other. But it was a BTR problem uh, that. Yep. They corrected. So by that time it was, it was too late to do the show and so we can't. That's okay. Yeah. We, we have a guest tonight, which is a good thing. So uh oh, yeah. Steve, and he's here. Actually, yeah. Yeah. He's he's yeah. already set, sitting there waiting for us. So we're gonna bring him on. And hello Alan, welcome to All About Wine. Hi, can you guys hear me? Yes, we can. Yes. All right. Glad yeah. to be here. Thanks for having me. You're quite welcome. I'm glad you can take the time to join us tonight. Um, so, uh, I was Mike and I were discussing your name before the show. <laughs> we got a pronunciation for us. Uh, is Viader? Is that correct? Uh, Viader. If you dare. Be a dare. So Mike's right. The emphasis is on dare. Okay. Well, my apologies. I was putting the. Thanks to Kylie, who who sent, I think, her last email was was the pronunciation. So I really appreciate that, Kylie. Thank you very much. Yeah. But, yeah, but, uh, Kylie. Yeah. We're, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're good. <laughs> yeah, because uh, we didn't do it. Well, besides that, we'll just call you Alan anyway. We're not going to say your last name too much. So. So. Right. Uh, Alan is the winemaker and director of operations at uh, Viader Winery in Napa, California, and he's going to talk to us tonight about the winery and about the history and about everything about uh, Viader Winery. So we're looking forward to this. I have been looking forward. To it. I've looked up the winery and uh, it's quite quite a history. I'm excited. So. Tell us about their winery, how it got started, and a little bit about it. Well, the the history really kind of started um, when my mom 
uh, moved to, to California. Uh, we're from Argentina originally, as, as our family and my grandparents and everybody were, were from Argentina. Um, not in the wine business, um, but my mom fell in love with wine uh, when she was studying abroad in Europe and fell in love with you know, Bordeaux wines, Cabernet Franc especially, and um, her studies brought her to California, which uh, to Berkeley, which is real close to Napa Valley. So she spent you know some long weekends uh, visiting with friends up in Napa Valley and fell in love with the area, fell in love with the idea of uh, starting her own business. And wine just kind of fit, you know, it checked all the boxes. Um, you know, we were as as kids, we were very young, and she needed also to start. Um, you know, settling down and, and creating kind of a foundation, uh, putting putting down roots, as she says. And uh, so she found this property that was cleared and, uh, you know, just a kind of an old cattle ranch on the cliff of, kind of the foothills overlooking San Helena in uh, Howell Mountain. Nobody wow. planted anything there because it was too steep and too rocky and deemed pretty much impossible to uh, put a vineyard in. Um, but with my mom's kind of uh, gumption and ambition and uh, go-to attitude, tenacious attitude, she uh, she told, proved everybody wrong, found uh, David Abreu, who was willing to plant the vineyard um, up and down the hillside, which was very rare and uh, pioneering at the time. She wanted to go with the sun east-west, so that meant up and down the hillside. She didn't care that it was a 35% a double black diamond type ski slope. Uh, she wanted to go with the sun because it was better for the vines. Oh, wow. And, uh, you know, very tightly spaced. So um, she also didn't care that there was no tractor that could go up and down at, at that time back in the 80s um, that was small enough. Um, so she uh, did the first few vintages by hand. Um, they were planted uh, six feet apart. Uh, very high density at the time when, you know, the average was about 12 feet apart. Right. Yeah. And she was uh, doing it by hand until uh, she she imported uh, Landini tractors from Italy, uh, which is a very narrow tractor, um, and was able to actually get some, some work done with the tractor. Before that, it was a lot of, I mean, it's still pretty much 75, 80% uh, just hand labor up and down the hill just because there's nothing else um, you know, there's no other way with the slopes that we have. Um, but she planted the hillside um, with Cabernet Franc uh, being kind of a huge percentage of the property, about 40% of the property. And uh, this is, you know, remember this is back in the uh, mid-'80s. So this was, uh, at, you know, a quiet time uh, in Napa Valley, you know, obviously not what you see today. Uh, right. A few, uh, you know, maybe only a couple hundred 200 wineries versus the 600 wineries that we have now. <laughs> uh, uh, you know, a boys club where uh, people have been making wine for generations. Um, you know, since the Mandavi kind of renaissance, the, uh, the the Napa Valley back in the early 60s, um, it just kind of kept doing what it was good at, uh, Cabernet Sauvignon and Chardonnay. And Howell Mountain was known for Cabernet Sauvignon. And we have this... Uh, you know, immigrant mother, single mother, you know, trying to uh, plant Cabernet Franc in a Cabernet Sauvignon rich world. Um, so uh, she was, she was definitely looked upon as kind of the crazy, the crazy woman on the hill um, for many years. Um, 
some would argue that she's still looked at that way. Um, but, uh, <laughs> you know, she's, she's always got kind of this just inclination of, kind of what's next, what's, you know, what's new and evolving. And um, Cabernet Franc was that thing there. And then she uh, played around with Malbec um, and Petit Verdot and a few things uh, in the future. But uh, really that kind of set her apart. And um, we have this amazing property that I had the fortune of uh, growing up um, as my front yard and backyard because the, the house is literally in the middle of the property, surrounded by wow. deep, you know, hillside vineyards. Uh, as a kid, uh, I grew up working the vineyards, you know, uh, weekends, summer vacation, um, any chance that uh, my mom got to exploit, you know, child labor, um, she, she took advantage <laughs> of that. <laughs> uh, I was, I was, I was willing. Um, I, I have to admit, I, I love working with my hands. I love being a farmer. I love uh, digging in the dirt. And well, on, at Via Dare, it's not really digging in the dirt. You're really just uh, using jackhammers, uh, breaking rock. <laughs> yeah, with it yeah, on the hill. Yeah. <laughs> but we make uh, we make a few a few wines, all blends off the estate. Uh, very concentrated. Uh, beautiful wines that uh, have a real sense of place. They're um, really special wines that, um, you know, we, we handcraft. Each barrel is selected one by one. My mom and I go through and taste every lot. Uh, everything is hand-farmed um, to our specifications. I'm the farmer. I'm the vineyard manager. So um, being the winemaker as well, it makes it easy kind of, you know, to know which blocks uh, need to get babied along the way and, on, and I know what quality I have to begin with um, and kind of what I'm looking for is the finished product. Um, so we, we, we have a really good thing going with, uh, with the estate being so small. We can really manage everything ourselves. I have one assistant uh, in the cellar and everything else is done uh, with a small crew that's been there for, gosh, most of my life. Um, I've, I've had about 20 years experience working full time, and the rest of the crew is averaging about 20, 25 years as well. So, uh, wow. you know, we've been around. You know, it's kind of like a big family that works there. Uh, but yeah, you, uh, I mean, it's, it's a great. Uh, I just, uh, you said you're the winemaker, your mom's winemaker. Is she actually full time or just sort of part time hands on just to help you through this now? So she started uh, being a lot more full-time, obviously, uh, over the years. Uh, she delegated more and more and more, and, um, you know, I, I'm happy to take on as much as, as I can carry. Um, so in 2006, I kind of took off uh, as, the, as the main winemaker, uh, doing everything from harvest uh, from start to finish. Um, I was doing vineyard management since 2002, and, you know, doing all the harvest uh, decisions and all that, but uh, really didn't get into the winemaking until 2004, 2005, and then took over in 06. Um, we still do every blend together. Um, uh-huh. You know, we, we, taste, we taste at least quarterly uh, all the blocks. Because I, I like to harvest, you know, we have a small property, but I like to harvest everything in tiny little uh, tanks and really enhance some of the quality of each corner of the property and have... Uh, instead of having just two or three tanks, I'd rather have 30 different uh, components oh, wow. to play with. So I'll, I'll do different clones, different soils, different uh, even sun exposures. Uh, a lot of different factors go into my decisions for harvesting. 
Um, but I, I prefer to have multiple uh, fermentations going on at once to really uh, make the best quality. And, you know, if, if only 10 rows are ready at a time, um, you know, I'll pick those and then I'll pick the remaining three uh, and throw those into a small barrel and then I'll do barrel fermentation and, and maybe do an experiment or just play around with something else and try to find out what else I can do to improve the quality. Uh, I'm always tinkering with something. Um, I inherited my mom's kind of passion to, to always go above and beyond and kind of against the grain and do whatever I feel needs to happen for quality. So um, even if somebody tells me that's a dumb idea or that's an impossible idea, I'm just like, well, I'm going to hey, try it for myself. <laughs> you're not going to listen anyway because your mom didn't listen about putting a vineyard on a hillside. So who expects you to listen? Right. I mean, yeah, really. Let's look at this. Uh, well, before I get in more into the vineyard and to what you're making, you, you told us about your mom and you know her background and all that. How about you? Uh, you speak, and from what I was reading, I, I'm on your uh, website here. And for those of you want to listeners out there, you want to check it out. It's v i a d e r dot com. That's all there is to it. You can uh, uh, look it up there, and then they've got great little sections on there, but they got one section uh, with Alan here, also one with his mother, but one section with Alan, and it really goes in. You have quite a background yourself. Uh, would you like to tell us about that? Uh, well, thank you. Uh, gosh, I don't know. I I really focus on kind of my, my on hand, uh, hands-on training. That's kind of where I really hail my uh, expertise from. Uh, I did go to school for viticulture and winemaking and then uh, just continued uh, going to school and got my uh, degree in business. Um, I, actually, I feel like I'm constantly going somewhere and doing something to, to learn more. Um, I mean, most recently I, I went to Bordeaux and did a class on viticulture there to see kind of what they're doing across the pond. And, wow. um, you know, I'm not, I, I'm never done learning. And, and, and that's the beauty of the wine industry is that, you know, every vintage you get to learn something new, you get to experience something new uh it's not anything that you can find in a textbook um, as much as you know people would like to tell you you know you could learn winemaking out of a book um winemaking is really a you know, part of your palate uh, part of your experience and then really understanding kind of what works on your specific property finding out what how your soil responds to your climate and your 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 rootstock and your your scion wood and all that kind of how how everything kind of works together. I mean, that's what's so exciting um, from a winemaking perspective and also from a consumer perspective. I I can imagine just, you know, every winery is so unique and everything is so special. And if you can find a place that can really tell that story, uh, you know, you should really latch onto it and follow along. So um, that's what I do as a consumer. (laughs) Yeah, you know, I too. find yeah, these, places, these people that I really respect and that I know understand. You know, they have their, you know, their finger on the pulse of their land and and really just follow along and see what they do with it. So. I try to emphasize that to the listeners too. I mean, you know, want, you know, find out about the wineries, find out what they're doing and all that stuff because there is a story behind almost every single wine that you pour into your glass, and that makes a big difference there to understand a little bit more of that on each one. Yeah. You're there should be. Uh, I, I mean, yeah. we are we are kind of artists in a way, you know. Yeah, oh, yeah. Does that sound? <laughs> it, oh, uh, no, I I really think so. I uh, I had a winery uh, for a while until, until I 
retired and it, it just it, it's something that you just enjoy doing to the point where it, it's well i know people's gonna like this but i really really love this wine here you know and that's just how you yeah. start approaching it and and uh it's just a passion so i understand that I noticed also, too, it says a combination of organic, biodynamic, and sustainable practices. Are you organic and or biodynamic, and do you do sustainable practices? Uh, yes, a little part of all. Um, we used to be organic. Uh, actually, when we first started, we were organic, and we were doing a lot of different things. Um, you know, like we were having sheep in the, in the vineyard during the winter, and uh, avoiding any any type of herbicides, and, and we were strictly spraying uh, you know, sulfur, mildew control, and doing a lot of other other really good things um, for the farming. But uh, uh, we yeah. then jumped we then jumped into uh, biodynamics. Uh, gosh, when I was um, when was that? It was like 2002 or 2003. It's kind of right when I first started as vineyard manager, my mom had this wild hair. She wanted to call up some friends and, and really uh, explore this biodynamic uh, philosophy. And uh, we did it for many, many years. Um, and it was just, it was so much added labor, so much work. And really? from a, from a numbers perspective, yeah, I mean, everything, all the preparations, uh, you know, all the amount of time that you had to do just, just in stirring the preparations was uh, was intense. Well, Hello, yeah. can you hear me? Yeah, okay. we're here. I got I got I thought I got cut off there. And um, my yields were starting to suffer. Um, really? I was definitely seeing um, some some drop in yields. Quality was was great. Um, it wasn't any better though. Um, so I was starting to really pencil things out, and it didn't really make sense for us as it's such a small operation. Um, and on our on our estate, we couldn't really do it 100%. We couldn't bury the horns. We couldn't really do our own compost. Things that yeah. just logistically were practically impossible. Um, so, or at least not economically viable. So, uh, we decided to stick to biodynamics uh, as far as just you know looking at the uh, planting and sowing calendar and kind of following that when we do our blends when we do our harvest uh, different practices in the cellar uh, and in the vineyard uh, we'll, we'll look at the calendar and kind of pick the best ideal times uh, but we're not doing the preparations anymore so uh, we're not biodynamic um, i see we're, we're, well, I, yeah i am just we're definitely, uh, organic and sustainable uh, so we're trying to use uh, as few sprays as possible. I have sore, uh, sport trap uh, monitors that I check once a week, so I know when when populations of mildew, for example, are highest. Um, I can extend my intervals. I don't have to spray just because the label tells me every two weeks I need to spray. I, I, sometimes I can push it three, four weeks. Oh, um, so I really um, cut my sprays in half. I use a lot of beneficial insects. Uh, I'm I'm very big on beneficial insects. I love the whole warfare of insects uh, on the, <laughs> and uh you know getting hawks and eagles and owls, barn owls and different things to to fight my battles for me. I just I love you know enhancing that and improving upon that. So I build habitat uh, for for my beneficials. Um, whenever well, that's possible. Well, the reason I was so amazed about the biodynamic, we talked to uh 
a gentleman who was on the board of biodynamic uh Demeter uh Demeter. Yeah. Uh, I guess he pronounced it uh and he was on the board and was president for a while there and we talked to him and he's talking about the biodynamic and how how nice it is and all that but I've never talked to anyone who has tried it and we've talked to people who've done biodynamic or doing it and nobody's ever said that the uh, the work leading up to it, but again, no one's ever said that they were trying to do it on the side of a mountain. So, yeah, that you know, there's there's your difference, I think, right there. Uh, probably would have worked for you if you were in the valley, but being in the mountain, yeah, it's just too much work for very little yeah. uh, that I saw, at least very little return. We've had people definitely uh, tell us otherwise, and uh, you know, and I respect that, and I think that uh, some of the best world, uh, wines in you know, Burgundy, for example, are, are made from biodynamic vineyards. And, you know, I'm, I'm, not, I'm, not to, I'm not against it. I just, it doesn't work but for me. Again, they're not on the side of a mountain. You know, so yeah. I, that might you know, be the deciding factor, I think, there from what I'm hearing. Uh, the, uh, uh, well, I noticed how many languages you speak? I was Mike and I were discussing that before, and I wanted to ask you. Uh, I speak Spanish fluently as my first language. Still speak, speak it in the family, uh, and as much as my mom tried to get me to speak French, I had six years of French class, on, you know, after school <laughs> and uh, all that. Um, it didn't really stick. I could I could get by. I could I could order a beer. You know. In Paris, I could fly back home, but uh, yeah, not. I can't say I'm conversational um, in, in French, but uh, that's, yeah, that's it. Well, then, how English. did you attend classes? <laughs> uh, so it was the first time uh, that they actually had uh, the classes in English. Ah. Um, so this, yeah, and and it was some of the teachers were very rough. Uh, in their English, um, but uh, we did a lot of we did a lot of uh, field trips, a lot of you know walks through vineyards, uh, behind the scenes kind of uh, barrel tasting through through the cellars. Keys, um, uh, who is kind of the the guy leading the whole program, he he's the viticulture. Uh, I'm not sure what his title is. He's a viticulturist, I believe, at uh, Cheval Blanc. So we went and spent quite a bit of time there. Um, really, really great experience uh, through Seance Agro. And then one of the guys was actually from Berkeley. One of the teachers there was from Berkeley, so he spoke perfect English. And uh, he probably spoke great. French, so you can, you know, oh, yeah. get interpretations yeah. if you needed it. Yeah. Oh, well, very yeah. good. I was just, I was curious. I, like I say, I read this stuff, and I'm going, boy, you must speak a lot of languages as way you've been traveling around and all that. So, And, and I have one more question about personal life. Your wife's name is pronounced Mariela? Mariela. Mariela. Okay. I just Mariela. I, 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 I yeah. saw that and I, I wasn't sure how that's pronounced. Obviously, yeah, I don't Guatemala. speak Spanish. <laughs> she's from Guatemala <laughs> and, uh, you know, we speak Spanish in the family in the house, too. So, um, there you go. So the kids all speak Spanish. Yeah, I'm hoping that they'll continue. Uh, it's such a it's such an asset to have at least one other language. Uh, oh, yes. I don't care what other language, but if you can speak one other language, you're you're so much far, farther ahead. Um, yes. This world is just 
it's becoming smaller and smaller and the Spanish has helped me tremendously. It's amazing. And it, you know, I'm blonde hair, blue eyes, fair skin. I'm from Argentina. I mean, I'm, I'm Latin by, by family, but uh, I don't look Latin. So it's actually to my advantage. Um, I can I can walk into a room and and pretend that I don't speak Spanish. Just, uh, <laughs> then I can I can decide when to let people know that I do. <laughs> if you want to at all, yeah, I understand. <laughs> if I want to at all, yeah. So, oh, that's 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 cool. All right. Just, advantage, especially working yep. in the vineyards and growing up in the vineyards, it's it's just been it's gotten me in a lot of doors um, where I probably wouldn't have. Uh, really? Yeah. Well, that's that's good to hear. I, and you mentioned vineyards and speaking Spanish. I I have to ask, and I've seen things being posted now and all that that uh, the uh, the seasonal workers aren't coming up. Are you going to have a problem with harvest, or do you still do just everything within by hand yourselves? Well, we're we're a small enough crew. I mean, the the labor issue hasn't been. I mean, hasn't been a huge problem. We noticed a, a squeeze maybe five years ago, um, where we started to see less and less availability. Um, but I work with with a really good company, um, and they're a labor contractor, and they have a good setup that uh, you know they they provide. You know, if I need a crew, because I only have two people working full time, and they're one of them is is like a maintenance guy slash vineyard and the other guy is a tractor driver slash vineyard. Oh. So they don't do full-time vineyard. And uh, if I need to do anything, I'll bring in a, a select uh, a skilled crew, um, you know, for one day or two days to do a specific job. And then they'll go uh, on to another vineyard. Um, wow. And that's been working very good for the past few years uh, with, with COVID, you know, um, we haven't noticed a huge strain on it yet, but uh, I think, as COVID has been progressing and people, you know, just the fear is, is going up and up and up. I think um, we are going to see maybe a little bit of an issue for harvest. Uh, luckily I'm small enough that I don't need a huge, I need like you know, six people to, to, to pick my fruit. Uh, I need them for about three weeks, but um, six people can get it all done. So I don't need a huge crew uh-huh. because I don't want 50 tons all at once. I want it sprinkled throughout you know a, a month or two month process um, because I'm the one I'm, I'm the one I have one one assistant so uh, so we're the one processing and you know I'm making sure that these blocks these rows are, are perfectly right okay let's let's pick these right now let's pick these today let's pick these in three three days let's pick you know so I'm very selective on what gets picked and I, I can only handle a certain amount of fruit per day so I need to make that decision so it's, it's you know, finding six people. I don't think it's going to be a problem. I think people that need a hundred people right now to pick a hundred tons. I think that's going to be an issue when um, you know when you look at the larger properties. But, um, okay, I mean, just... we, we're farmers. We're resilient. We we find a way. You know, because yeah, the work yeah. has got to get done somehow. So uh, you know, we turned, the farmers we turned it country, into a yeah. 20, 27-hour day. You know. <laughs> so, <laughs> and sometimes that happens. Yeah. 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 Uh you um were telling us about the vineyard. Uh what do you have? I, I was reading something twenty eight acres you have total, you have more than that now or is that No, it's about twenty eight acres planted now. Uh about sixty percent of that 
uh, is Cabernet Sauvignon. I think about 18 acres of Cabernet Sauvignon. Um, then I have uh, about you know, eight or nine acres of Cabernet Franc. So that's the you know the bulk of our property. And um, then we have just under an acre of uh, of Syrah, about an acre of, of uh, Petit Verdot. And then I have a, a small amount of uh, of Malbec, and uh, that's coming into production. We we've had Malbec planted for uh, about ten or fifteen years, but uh, just mm-hmm. last year I pulled I pulled out one acre of Cab and uh, tea butted it over to uh, Malbec, and uh, oh. that that'll start producing next year. It wants to produce this year, but I'm I'm cutting it back. It's, Not gonna let it do very, it. Now. Yeah, it's a overachiever of a variety. <laughs> uh, You're, uh, which is great. I love it. Yeah, I, I, I fell in love with Malbec back in, in 2005 when I worked in Argentina. Um, I just fell oh, in love with yeah. it. So many different vineyards, and it expressed itself in so many different ways depending on the on the uh, altitude and, and the soils. I mean, it was, it was such a fun varietal to work with. Um, that right away I planted some, and we've been we've been uh, expanding our our Malbec uh, program since then. So, uh, you looking at doing a varietal of it, or are you just going to still use it for blend? I make a wine. Uh, well, it goes into two of our wines. One is a blend. Uh, it's called the Black Label, and it's mostly Cabernet and Syrah, but there's a little bit of Malbec in there, about uh, anywhere from ten to fifteen percent. And then I do. Uh, one called the homenaje, which in Spanish that, that translates um, from Spanish that translates to tribute, and it's a tribute mm-hmm. to my grandfather who kind of helped start the property, um, and that is a 50-60% Malbec and Cabernet wow. blend, very good, uh, tiny mm-hmm. tiny production, uh, 150 to 300 cases each year, so. So you just basically the Malbec for now is just going to continue to be a blend for you. Yeah, yeah, we've we've played around with with single stuff, um, but that's under another label called the Dare, and mm-hmm. Dare wines are single varietal. Um, so we've we've had a lot of success with our 100% Cabernet Franc uh, oh. under the Dare brand, but we've made uh, here and there we've made a little bit of Malbec, and oh. people like it. It does yeah, really well uh, in uh, in restaurants by the glass. Yeah, it doesn't. I I I'm a big Cabernet Franc fan. I have been for years. I just I love a good Cabernet Franc. It's, yeah. it's my my passion almost at times. Uh, people say, yeah, "Oh, the Cabernet Sauvignon," but yeah, it is. It's so much fruit and everything, and you don't have that. Unlike Cabernet Sauvignon, you don't have that overpowering tannins that just Right. Take over everything. You you got the fruitiness that comes out in the Cabernet Franc and all that. So uh, Yeah, and our and our property is very you know, it's it's uh it's got this great exposure so we get really ripe fruit and um it's really it's high elevation, it's about twelve hundred feet. So, you know, it's got great sunlight. Um so the Cab Franc from that property is just beautiful, very elegant, uh very floral and, and just uh, aromatically, it's just very attractive, and um, it's got a lot of layers and depth, and you know more on the raspberry type mm. uh, component. So, um, just very fresh and beautiful. 
Yeah, that's what I like about a Cabernet Franc. Uh, you are ready to harvest now, or is it uh, the timeline here? I was going to say, it, it's getting pretty close. We're in the, what, just getting close to the second week of August. That should be the start yeah, of some harvest. Some. Uh, we're seeing some vineyards in Napa start uh, harvest. I mean, uh, Schonsburg and Mum, they just had a little celebration this week. They started harvest this week. I, I'm starting to see the trucks with the macro bins, kind of the excitement is starting to, to ramp mm-hmm. up. Um, we are a little behind that, so we're going to be – we're going to be in at least maybe a month from now, uh, maybe oh, five wow. weeks from now. So we've got some time still. Uh, I still have a few things to do. We're finishing up uh, racking the 19s uh, in the next two weeks. Uh, we leave the night. We leave the wines for a very long time on the leaves. Um, we stir for the first maybe six months, and then uh, we wait almost a year before we do the first racking. Um, wow! We let that eat that that. The leaves break down and really adds to the mid palate uh, and adds this like really nice creaminess to the wines. It also helps kind of protect the wines as well for future um, aging. But uh, so we're still not even done with our 19. Um, and then I've got bottling of the 18 coming up mm. in the beginning of September. So we've got quite a few things I still have to check off before I'm ready. Um, and then, you know, mentally I got to get myself into the, into the mindset. <laughs> the uh, yeah. That, it's like, it's tough. like, you know, I can, I can only, I can imagine it's like uh, the astronauts going to the space station, you know, you okay, here's your ticket. You're not going to be back for another six months. Because um, so, once I go into harvest, I'm I'm in the cellar. I'm you know head down. We're working seven days a week. Uh, I'm not out until uh, past Thanksgiving, sometimes Christmas time. Wow, um, yeah, it's a long, long process for us. We do a lot yeah. of extended maceration, a lot of things. Um, just we do we just take things a little slower, take our time, do things really by hand and kind of artisanal practices. So you mentioned earlier that. Process. Do you have lots of barrels? Do you use stainless steel in anything, or is most everything oak? Uh, we have a combination. We have stainless steel. Um, we have concrete, quite a bit of concrete. Do you? About eight tons oh, of concrete. But, that's uh, good. I think there's 10 stainless, no, 13 stainless, 8 concrete, and then I have 500-liter uh, barrels that are fermenters. They have doors on them and valves on them. Uh, mm-hmm. They're like small small wooden tanks. I have about 13 of those. Um, so, you know, we, we have a good combination. Um, and, and sometimes I'll do just a regular 225-liter barrel. Um, either I'll pop the head off and use them as, like, kind of upright tanks, or I'll... Uh, I've, I've purchased some in the past uh, that had little doors on the side of them um, mm-hmm. to, to help kind of bring the fruit in and out. Um, so we, we have a good combination. I like I like to use stainless steel for my Cabernet. Um, I think it kind of tames the tannin and really helps with the fruit uh, kind of stand out and really helps with the, build the body on those. Um, mm-hmm. But I like Cabernet Franc. I like the cheaper dough and uh, Malbec in concrete. Uh, those aromatic varietals, I think, really benefit from the concrete. Oh, um, yeah. I try to do that as much as possible. I've never used concrete. Uh, what uh, what Tell me a little bit about the benefits of the concrete using it like that. Well, it, 
you know, during during fermentation, the most important is, is happy yeast. And to do that, you got to give them just the right amount of uh, oxygen, keep them happy and, and, and active. Um, you also want to keep the temperatures pretty stable. Um, you don't want these up and down kind of situations. Uh, concrete right. is an excellent uh, insulator. It's like a giant pizza oven um, for the for the tank. So it stays very, very constant. The, the only issue is when they're cold, it takes a little bit more effort to get them warmed up. And then <laughs> once, once they're cruising along, it's, it's great. Um, if you have a really happy, really active fermentation, then you got to watch about, you know, watch out about it getting maybe a little too hot. It's hard to cool it down, but uh, uh-huh. no, I've had, uh, we've, we've been using, concrete since 2004 so we've got a pretty good handle on on how to control it um but the 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 aromatics are so much better because of the uh the porous nature of the it's unlined concrete so you just get these really nice pores full of oxygen to really help the yeast throughout the whole thing you do get a touch of mineral at the finish which i think is really interesting um yeah but that's the only thing um you know you get this really cool uh, aromatic profile that is that is very just vibrant and, and it's very very expressive um, that you don't see in the, in the stainless as much. Um, well, that's interesting. That very, is interesting. It's, it's what, very, uh, how big are the ahead. tanks? The uh, uh, concrete. Uh, I've got a few cubes uh, that are like eight by eight. Um, oh. So they they're they're six ton tanks, and then I've got some conicals that are probably three ton, you know, 3.2 ton or so each. Uh, and then I got a, uh, a concrete egg as well, which I could do about a little over a ton in it. Uh-huh. Oh, all right. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've never, I've never used, never had an opportunity to use concrete. I've used, you know, stainless steel, plastic and, uh, Oh, but, uh, the concrete is, uh, well, they're so bloody heavy and awkward to move around and oh, all yeah. that. <laughs> yeah, you don't move yeah. them. They're 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 where you put them, and, and they, that's stay. <laughs> they stay. Yeah. That, that's your home. Yeah, we, like it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we moved. Uh, we moved one of the big ones, and it it registered about fourteen thousand pounds on the scale. Oh my god! We're moving it. Yeah. No. And that, that's empty. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> so, no, yeah, a good reinforced floor for all that stuff. Too. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah I they, they, I have they, asked you. You mentioned moving it and how heavy it was. Did you, the earthquake that hit that area and uh, snow and all that? Uh, what three or four years ago? Did that affect anything that you had? No, we we're yeah we're we're far enough away that it didn't do anything. Uh, not right. a single thing. Um, but even if it did, I mean, I think we have just so much rock up there that nothing would move. We have, we have yeah. caves underground. Uh, yeah. Everything yeah. Is, yeah, everything is super reinforced. I mean, when they were building the caves, you could just see it. They were, they were struggling. They were breaking machines that they, they say that they've <laughs> never broken before. <laughs> just solid rock. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Oh. Oh. Like this is never supposed to break, and we broke it twice. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. we have a work cut out with everything. I mean, uh, even a simple end post replacing a wooden end post uh, took us eight eight hours with two guys and a jackhammer last time. So, 
Um, oh, jeez. Everything is a challenge. <laughs> so when you go out every day, you say, please, no broken post. Please, no broken post. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I think, I think we're, pretty, we're, pretty, we're pretty protected from, from earthquakes. Well, I mean, uh, you never know. Anything yeah, happens. well, this, you know, they, that one <laughs> they mentioned, and for some reason it just came to my mind. Uh, let's talk about your wines a little bit here, each of your different wines. Uh, the uh, uh, proprietary blend uh, – the Vader mm-hmm. is uh, your Cabernet Sauvignon and Cabernet Franc. Mm-hmm. Uh, what yeah, is the our, percentage? So that that's our flagship wine. That's the best of the best. So we, that's the one that we'll go through. We'll taste every single block. Uh, we'll pick our favorite blocks and then go go barrel by barrel, select our top. So it's kind of our barrel selection. Um, that's really the voice of of the estate. Uh, our signature. Um, for each each vintage, um, it's a Cabernet Sauvignon, Cabernet Franc blend. Usually, the range is 60% Cab, sometimes as high as 70% Cab, uh, and then the balance is Cabernet Franc, and uh-huh. that changes every year. It's it's really there's no uh, set recipe. It's it's whatever is best that vintage. Um, we've done 75% Cab some years, and we've done 50% wow. Cab some years. Um, sometimes the Cap Franc just really shines, and that's what we want to we want to highlight. Uh, that wine is really about the estate and uh, telling the story of kind of how that growing season was, and how how you know how that story went through that. So when you buy our wines, you'll taste every vintage. There is uh, vintage variation. You'll be able to understand kind of how that growing season was. It's all from the same property, so it's, it's a wonderful way to experience uh, what Viader is by tasting vintage after vintage after vintage and um, we have a lot of collectors that that really love um, doing verticals because um, our wines really age well Uh, I don't use very many rackings so the wines are protected they're not over oxidized you know sometimes you need to wait maybe a few years after bottle date um, before they're really opening up like uh, really tannic vintages uh, like 2013, for example, um, is is now kind of opening up and, and really um, expressing itself. So sometimes, uh, you know, you get the wine that's just eager and ready, and, and like 2016, gorgeous wines right out of the gate. Um, you know, but these wines they'll age 20 years, they'll age 30 years um, if you're patient enough. Um, but the wines being so. Uh, High uh, high percentage of Cabernet Franc with that elegance that Cabernet Franc brings, um, you know, with with popping the cork, throwing it in a decanter, uh, putting in a really nice stem, uh, a little nice glassware. I mean, you you can have uh, a 2017 out of the bottle and have a great experience. Um, so, you know, these wines are, are are great for the collector and for the person who wants it now. <laughs> so they're 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 fruity enough that you can enjoy them with dinner tonight or put them down and wait and have them at your, your baby's wedding day. So that's, uh, yeah, we get a lot of, we get a lot of, uh, vintage, uh, you know, birth year requests or large formats etching, uh, for, for weddings and for births, uh, for anniversaries, for, you know, all sorts of things. Um, but, but we're, yeah, we're definitely opening current releases. The wines are are, are hillside vineyards uh, in a in a warm climate. 
you know, Napa Valley is warm. Uh, we're in the warmest part of Napa Valley. Um, I see. So they're, they're definitely, you know, fruit driven. Um, but, but I really manage the tannin profile. I don't want these wines to be overly tannic. They're not your typical big, chunky, chewy Napa Cabernets, you know, that are over oaked. I, I do want restraint. <laughs> I do want elegance. I do want balance. That big B word, you know, it's very important to us. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. You know, that comes from my mom's, uh, you know, experience in, in Europe and, and the wines that she was enjoying there and kind of the wines that she really uh, treats as kind of the, the benchmark um, of a fine wine. And she wants to, you know, that's how she started Via Dare is, is kind of bringing a little piece of Bordeaux into Napa Valley and that, that fem- feminine touch. And, um, and I like to say she likes to laugh that, uh, you know, I need to find my feminine side and, and really be, you know, as a winemaker, I need to be you know, a little bit softer on the tannin. So I've, I've learned through the years, you know, less is more and subtle is, is, is great. So I don't need but to be Napa's, flashy and all that. Napa's got mm-hmm. enough big caps, you know, and I to be able so. to find a, a nice balance, a little bit of fruit in it along with those tannins. It makes for a much better wine, I think. Uh, yeah, you'll find you'll find our wines. Uh, they'll have that fruit character, but they'll have a uh, you know like a nice savory quality. They'll have a rosemary or a lavender, or a dried floral component. They'll have an earthy tone to it. Uh, a lot of people actually, uh, a lot of my Somme friends, they'll throw them in blind tastings when it's when it's European wines, Bordeaux wines, and they'll do it for fun and trick everybody because. It, it can pass for a Bordeaux and some vintages, right. and and people really have a hard time picking it out. So it's it's a lot of fun to hear oh, those yeah, can... people do that. Yeah, that, with that would... on them. yeah, that would be great. Uh, the uh, black label, their black label, uh, that is this classic Bordeaux style in itself. No, so that's that's something that's new that I I started that uh, back in 2008. Um, I I wanted to find a home for our Syrah. Our Syrah was we were doing a very small amount and uh, struggling on the market at the time. People weren't really receptive. Even even if you did a blind tasting side by side, everybody enjoyed the Syrah. Uh, you you'd offer them you know on you know, for sale, they'd, they'd purchase the Cabernet um, pretty much hands <laughs> down every time, even though they liked the raw better. But, um, it was a weird thing because it was a wonderful, wonderful wine, and, and I didn't want to lose it. My mom said, well, you know, we have an overabundance of demand for this for this Cabernet, and we're, you know, fighting an uphill battle for the Syrah. Uh, we're just going to turn it into Cab and just solve the problem. And, you know, there me you being the, uh, the young uh, artist, uh, you know that that was in love with Syrah. I wanted to hold on. Um, I, I stayed up late uh, one day blending and, and trying every possibility possible. And I, and I tried uh, some of our cabs blended with the Syrah, and uh, and I threw in a little Malbec, and I threw a few other uh, bridles. I threw in some uh, Cabernet Franc as well. Uh, made a really nice blend and presented it to my mom. I said, okay, I've got. I think I've got a home for the Syrah. We don't need to pull the Syrah out. We can use it, create a new blend. She was totally reluctant. She didn't want to start another brand, another brand. Um, but I had, I had everything. I had, I had the label design. I had the whole concept. I had the, we had the wine. She said, all right. Yeah. 
I'll let you try this one time, but it's limited edition, right? We're we're gonna put limited edition on the label to let everybody know that not to be disappointed if it doesn't happen again. Um, All right. And you know, it sold out so fast that she she kind of laughed and said, "Well, we're gonna do it again this year." And every year we kind of look at each other. So are we gonna repeat this or not? And yeah. every year we repeat it again. So, um, and so far it's since still 2004, going. it's been going on. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, 2008, but it's uh, yeah, it's, and it's a it's a really phenomenal wine. The Cabernet and the Syrah together um, are just beautiful. Um, the the Cabernet adds this really nice frame. The Syrah adds the roundness and the richness on the palate. It also kind of tames that that rich red fruit. It brings it down to like that uh, that blueberry quality of the Syrah, and, and uh, yeah. there's a peppery finish. I mean, there's, there's a lot of really good things about that wine. I love that wine with with, with a good smoked kind of southern type meat barbecue. Uh, oh. Pretty incredible. Yeah, um, I can see. Yeah, yeah I, it's a I, fun wine. I can picture the Cabernet Sauvignon Syrah blend because the Cab would be this boldness, and the Syrah would say, "Okay, come back a little bit. Let's let's make you more approachable right now instead of you know the." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that roughness that you have. Yeah, that sounds great there. Exactly. I, I, like, I like that. Uh, okay. Uh, the Vader uh, V. Oh, that the v is, is, the V is something very, very exclusive kind of to our club members. Um, something oh. that you can only find at the tasting room. Uh, it's a very small production of Petit Verdot and a little Cabernet. Uh, my mom planted Petit Verdot in 94, uh, about one acre right in front of her house. Um, she loves Petit Verdot. She, she thinks it's, it's a wonderful varietal, and I agree. I, I think it's a great uh, blending component. I think it's wonderful. Uh, it's a little intense and big and chunky, so it's, you have to really manipulate it throughout the growing season uh, to, to have it be in balance. Um, and it loves sun, so we're in a really good spot for Petit Verdot. Um, uh-huh. And when she when she started uh, with that with that wine, um, she wanted to to blend it into the signature blend to kind of add a little bit of structure. And then she kind of thought to herself, "Well, I've got this really nice, balanced, beautiful wine. Um, why you know why disappoint or why why upset followers and, and change the wine style? So let's instead of do that, let's keep Viadere Viadere." And we'll start a new blend and call it the V, and it'll be a Petit Verdo, you know, the V for Verdo. Right, yeah. And or be there. It, it'll be it'll be a hundred it'll be a hundred cases just for you know the collectors who want uh, a big, powerful, a uh, little bit more intense, more blockbuster style wine, um, because that's what Petit Verdo is. It's just got this huge structure, very big square tannins, you know, big blocky tannins. Uh, really intense floral uh, violets and just rich, beautiful aromatics. Um, but just the, the texture, and you, you need a big fatty piece of Wagyu beef or something to eat with it you know, <laughs> to, to really calm it down. Um, and, and she's been doing it ever since. And people people really love the fact that it you know she didn't change Viadere. Viadere is classic, and it's, she's stayed traditional throughout all these years. And, and V is kind of her way of doing like this big Napa style kind of you know, intense uh, cigar wine, right? You know, something yeah, very powerful. With and a we've big been doing it, of you know. Argentina beef, <laughs> you know, that, you Absolutely. Know. Yeah. Yeah. 
Oh, that's that fun. I, I love making that wine. Uh, it's fun to have something different like that. I mean, it's, it's anywhere from 50 to 90% Petit Verdot each year. Um, it really changes. But, um, I think you, in 2007, you, we did 92% Petit Verdot. And you make it strong enough that it walks across the room and pours itself into the glass, too. I mean, yeah, it, it sounds like... Yeah, it slaps you in the face first, and then it pours itself. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I like that. <laughs> yeah, that sounds great, yeah. Uh, the uh, D.A.R.E., and you mentioned a little bit about that earlier. That is, you said that's your line. There's more than one that you have under the D.A.R.E. label? Yeah, we used to do... Quite a few. We, we had a 100% Tempranillo, and we did a 100% Cab. We had a Cab Franc. We did a Malbec. We did, we've done a Syrah. Uh, we've done Merlot. Uh, Dare is really our opportunity to explore outside of the estate, uh, look at other properties, um, but really focus on single varietal. So we uh, do single vineyard, single varietal um, wines. Right now, we're, we're only doing... Uh, 100% the the Cabernet Franc right now, mm. but um, you know in the past we've we've been kind of jumping around. And it's really just you know just because we want to focus right now on our estate. Um, but in the in the past we've had some great opportunities. We did some Stagecoach and some Llewellyn in downtown Santa Elena. Um, oh. you know, we've we've had some really good vineyard sources, um, but I think uh, Dare was was uh, we went we went a little too big with it. Uh, and then now we're, I think we're finding kind of its, its niche little spot. Um, and, and it's, it's fun to have a hundred percent Cab Franc for, for all the people that love Cab Franc and, me, and, me, and me. frankly, yeah. uh, it's actually, it, it turned a lot of people onto Cab Franc that, that swear that they are not Cab Franc lovers. They taste our Cab uh. Franc and they go, wow, uh, I've never knew that it could be this good. All right. All right. Yeah. Let's, let's have a bottle or two. Let's. So I've I've experienced that a, a number of times, which is kind of fun because it, yes. depending on where it's grown, Cabernet Franc can really change its expression and its flavors. And um, maybe you don't. It's not that you dislike Cab Franc; you just dislike Cab Franc grown in whatever region you tasted it from. You could like it from exactly. another region. You know, I know people that absolutely just love the the Singulate Cab Franc, and you know they just love that character. Um, and vice versa, you know, there's people that, that love the Napa Valley Capsule. And, and they are different styles. Personal. There's no Preference. question about that. Exactly. Yeah, they are. Yeah. Yeah. That's, uh, so as of now, you're going to just stay with the Cap Franc and not, uh, not expand the, uh, Dare brand anymore? Well, for, well, you know, for now. For, for now. Something for now. <laughs> yeah. Uh, for now. Yeah. Who knows? We may... We may see something pop up in the label. I'm always, playing, I'm always playing with something in the cellar. Like I said earlier, yeah. I'm always, I'm always experimenting. So. Well, that's that's always a good thing. Uh, the uh, well, you brought up something too about other vineyards. Uh, do you uh, do you try to stay within Napa when you do that, or do you just whoever has something that you might be interested in that uh, does a good job? Yeah, so far, uh, in, we've only done within Napa. Um, we haven't ventured outside of Napa. Um, you know, me personally, I've, I've played around with some Sonoma coast wines and stuff on the side. I've been doing little consulting jobs here and there, uh, over the years, but, um, you know, for, for Via Dare, the brand, it's 
strictly 100% Napa. Um, that's that's where we're where we're going to stay. That's what that's your your base of your roots are. And then the last yeah. one, and you mentioned the name of it. Home, home, I'm sorry, I will destroy it. I'll let you say it. Omenate. Oh, Omenate. Okay. Yeah. That Omenate. means tribute. So that's the uh, blend that I started in 2016. Uh, it was our 30th anniversary, and really wanted to do something special to kind of commemorate, uh, you know, our our history, our family history, um, and just how amazing it is to be kind of where we are today and look back and kind of really reflect on all the accomplishments that uh, my mom has done. And, um, yeah, it was, it was a great opportunity. We had some wonderful Malbec come up and, you know, wanted to do something different. Um, I've always loved Malbec, and I've always thought that Malbec was kind of yeah. had this really bad reputation as like a cheapo wine that wasn't very good. And I think um, it can be so much more than that. I mean, it is one of the the, the noble French varietals, so I think you know, yeah. some other people think the same way. Um, but, I do. Yeah. You know, I wanted to do I wanted to do something that kind of reflected also uh, my upbringing too. I was. I'm from Argentina, uh, which, which is a huge Malbec producer. Oh, yeah. Um, but I grew up in Napa. Uh, I, I call myself an Afghan. Um, this is my hometown. And, you know, I, Napa is a Cabernet Sauvignon town, right? Hey, right. Known for Cabernet Sauvignon. <laughs> so I wanted right. to do something that was about a 50-50 to kind of, to, you know, um, stimulate or uh, you know, um, just to show – the, uh, the 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 type of wine that is flowing through my my body is fifty fifty Malbec and Cabernet usually at any given time. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> I understand. I understand yeah. what you're saying there. I really do. Yeah, yeah. That's you know, and it's funny though. Whenever I always tell people, you know, get away from the Cabernets. You know, you don't have to drink Cabernet all the time. There's lots of other good reds. For example, Malbec, and I always mention that in a second i you know people what about merlot merlots are nice but try a malbec mm-hmm. it's going to give you a completely different taste than your cabs and your merlots and it just oh, it's yeah. it's going to grab you and and say hey you know i've been here all along why haven't you tasted me so yeah what i like about the malbec is it's got a little livelier it's just it's fresh it's lively it's, it's got a lot of energy um it's a really wonderful wine to drink um, with a meal because it just blends with so many different things and it's got this it's got just enough floral just enough fruit just enough spice it, it can go with so many different types of cuisine it's uh oh, it's yeah. a great wine and, and and we've only been doing it for a year um, oh. but it's, it's been taking off people love it and um they're not familiar with with malbec's kind of uh at this scale i mean i didn't i pulled out all the stuff i made it I did really good quality uh, fermentations, you know, extended maceration, really good quality French oak barrel. Like I did it to the best, best, best of my ability. So, you know, it's, it's going to stand up there with the best wines. I think um, you, you did it right. And okay. that's, that's what's going to sell it to people. You know, that's yeah. going to make a big difference there when you do stuff like that. It's uh, yeah, it's too bad that, Melbeck has to be introduced 
to people now because it's been around so long and it's such a nice wine. And it's really right. a shame that it has to be introduced. Same thing with the Cabernet Franc. I don't think enough people are really familiar with the Cabernet Franc to to embrace it like yeah, they should. Well, well, it's it's got the reputation of just being a component, just being a yeah, blend. just a blend. Know, it, it, it's just only it's wine. only good enough to be you know three percent of the blend. Well, right. Sorry, it's, you know if you do it right, it's grown correctly in the right in the right soil and the right you know you have the right farmer behind it. I mean you can get some really really amazing uh, 100% Cabernet Franc 100% Malbecs oh, um, and that's yeah. what I learned when I was when I was working with the Malbecs in Argentina I mean you you could you could have a dozen mediocre Malbecs but then you could see you know those are the ones that were made in bulk right huge production and they didn't care about the quality they just they watered, watered, watered to get as much as possible. And then you could see the people that really cared and the people that just took it seriously, that hand farm, like just meticulously took care of every berry and, and the quality was just outstanding. And it, they were like just down the street, you know, so <laughs> it, it's a matter of just putting a little bit of effort behind the, the farming, a little bit more effort behind the, the winemaking. You can make these just incredible wines at a Malbec. Yes, uh, yes, and, and I, I mean, agree. You, I just, yeah, you can see that with every varietal. But, you can. Uh, I think yeah, Malbec, but it, unfortunately, Malbec has been a little bit more <laughs> prevalent. Well, Malbec and, and Cabernet Franc have been relegated to being thought of as, like you said earlier, blending wines. And you don't drink them because those are used to blend with other wines. You can drink those. And it's really a shame. It's It's a thought pattern we need to stop because there are some beautiful Malbec and Cabernet Franc and Barbera. I love Barberas, you know, stuff like this. And, you know, we're not embracing those enough. So well, let me get mm-hmm. off my soapbox here. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I think, I think it, people are going to start, I mean, consumers are going to look for different things and they're excited to try new things. I think that's, you know, that's where we're going. So we'll see I, a lot I hope more. So. Small production Grenache and, and Barbera and different things that, that are going to be coming out. Um, I think people are going to be, you know, going away from this 100% Cabernet Sauvignon lifestyle. I think that's never going to go away, but I think they're going to be people exploring and trying different things. I certainly hope so because, it, you know, all these other wines deserve more respect than they're getting, I think, right now. Is Howl Mountain an AVA? Howl Mountain is an AVA, yeah. But okay, the, the AVA starts uh, about a stone's throw away from our from our border. So we're technically just Napa Valley um, because we're just below the, the AVA. Oh, line. you just below the Howl Mountain AVA line. Oh. The the magic the magic invisible line. <laughs> oh, okay. So. Well, I I figured Howl Mountain was, but you, you're just a little bit too far. Below the level, then. Yeah, yeah, and just below oh, okay. them. Okay. They start but, at uh, fourteen hundred feet. Oh, uh, but you're still Napa, which is you know uh, a big name in aviation and all that. Uh, Mike, do you have mm-hmm. any other questions or comments or anything you'd like to mention to Alan? Well, I was looking, um, uh, going to ask about uh, shipping. Um, you don't just. Um, Sell there. I, I believe uh, I read on your website you do uh, shipping 
um, as well. You have membership. And uh, is there still a, an issue shipping to uh, Alabama uh, for anybody listening in Alabama who would be interested in uh, purchasing wines online? There's a something uh, particular. I'm, I've, uh, I don't know. We've We've talked about this before, all the states and everything, and free the grapes and, and all that. But uh, I see mm-hmm. a special notice about Alabama, I think it was. Is that uh, where you have to ship to uh, a store to pick it up, I guess? <laughs> Is that? Yeah, there's there's all sorts. I mean, every state has their fun 20-page document to try to <laughs> learn. Um, <laughs> the uh, Yeah, the website uh, has now been changed. We, uh, we, we never used to sell our wine on the website um, before COVID. Now we're, now we're trying to kind of, you know, we're, we're pivoting, we're, we're adapting. Um, the fact that we can't have people on the estate and, uh, you know, or as many people on the estate, the, uh, the online shipping has really been kind of very, very effective. Um, used to be only available to the club or to just uh, walking through the door and getting it personally because we don't really distribute uh, to any other uh, states, very few places. Uh, like Chicago is one of them, um, Illinois, just because we have some really good relationships there. And there's there's a handful of other states that we uh, we continue to ship, you know, a handful of cases or so to. But uh, almost 100% of our wine is sold through the tasting room and uh, the club. So wow. if you want to get our wine, uh, you can now order on the website. We, we have a, a few uh, little tree packs, little essentials, wine kits that uh, I'll host a virtual wine tasting with you uh, if you get one. Um, we'll just kind of work out time. It's Everything's kind of custom and private. Um, I don't really do large-scale virtual tastings. I, I'd rather do the one-on-one or the, you know, if you have a few family members or a couple of buddies that you want to each get the three-pack and join it together, you know, I'm happy to do that. Um, even if you have wines in your cellar, um, I'm happy to pop open some wines just to, hang out and share a glass of wine over the screen with you. Um, we, um, but to answer your question about uh, Alabama, I think we can ship direct to the stores. Um, we still don't ship that much. We're, we're a really small winery, so it's, uh, I think we're below the threshold. Um, I don't really handle the shipping, so I, I don't know all the laws directly, but I know we have a lot of friends in Alabama um, that, uh, that we ship uh, to Birmingham, for example. So, um, yeah, we, uh, yeah, yeah, we, are you open? <laughs> that, that's one of my most favorite, uh, places to go visit is Alabama. Cause you always seem to, you know, tie, tie my visit around a, uh, a football game. So it's a lot of fun. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. But, I don't know about these uh, days, but, uh, at least yeah. last year was, was great. Yeah. Uh, are you open yet? Is the tasting room open? Uh, yeah, very, very, very. We're limping along. We can do tastings, but we have tastings outdoors anyway. We have this gorgeous terrace overlooking the vineyards. I mean, you can see the whole valley below us. Um, wow. The vineyards just drop down into the valley. There's this beautiful reservoir down there. And you can see uh, the entire Mayakama range, all of Diamond Mountain, Spring Mountain, um, all the way to Calistoga from, from our property. Um, so it's it's a really gorgeous place. I mean, you want to be outside anyway. Um, and we're small. We're private. We don't have groups of people. It's you and one educator, wine educator, and that's it. 
difference. So out among the vineyards, under the trees, you know. But we're we're you know we have to follow along and you wash your hands before you come in or as you come in you wear a mask you keep distance and then you guys and we kind of keep our distance and things have you know changed a little bit but we're we're getting really good feedback people are very happy and they're saying you know we're we're very comfortable here and this is you know a great experience and I don't know what people are doing in other wineries but uh, you know we're we're trying to just stay true and be ourselves and, you know, trying to deal with this as best as we can um, and keep everybody safe. So, oh, that's the key. Too. Wine is about having fun. So, we, you know, we have to have fun too while we're at it. Yeah, that's <laughs> we true. We have a bunch of goofy pictures all over the, yeah. <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> yeah, we, we have a bunch of goofy pictures that keep reminding people to wash their hands and keep six feet apart and stuff. So, uh-huh. so, we try uh-huh. to keep it that's- fun. Try to have a little That's humor to like levity uh, in the whole situation. So. <laughs> yeah. Mike, anything else? No, that'll do it for me. I really, really enjoyed this, and uh, and thank you very much. We just need your uh, website info, contact, and um, you know where you're located, that kind of stuff. So uh, phone number, to, yeah. Yeah, Facebook, everything. Yeah, Via Dare is up in Deer Park, off of uh, Deer Park Road, eleven twenty Deer Park Road, just north of Santa Lena. Um, a few minutes, out, it's five minutes out of St. Helena. People think that it's way out in the boonies. Um, feels like it when you're up there, but it's really not that far. <laughs> and um, our phone number is 707-963-3816. And if you uh, need anything, just uh, leave us a message. Or, you know, we're, we're open Monday through Friday. Um you know, we are open for tastings on Saturdays, but um, yeah, our website viadere.com, v-i-a-d-e-r.com. We're on Instagram, viadere napa, viadere underscore napa. Um, I'm on Instagram, a-l-a-n-v-i-a-d-e-r, Alan viadere, and we're on Facebook, viadere vineyards. Um, and it's more easy to find. And we're, I do the Facebook stuff, so uh, Facebook and Instagram. So you know, if you want to follow along, that's great. I, I take random pictures of the vineyard, of the winery. During harvest, I'm constantly kind of keeping people updated on what we're doing. Um, that's when I have fun taking pictures. So uh, the rest oh, of the time, okay. I'm too busy thinking about stuff. And, but then every once in a while, I get reminded, oh, you got to do something. So uh, <laughs> I stay up to it. I, Usually of wine oh. that I'm drinking, uh, but you know. If we sign up for the, uh, if we sign up for the uh, email, uh, that's we. You keep us posted on what's going on through that, also. Yeah, we try to do uh, newsletters uh, here and there. We do offers, uh, not too many offers, but uh, yeah, more educational, more information. Uh, yeah, opportunities on what we're doing and uh, how to get our wines. The wine club is, is a really great way to get the wines because it's a six pack in the spring and a six pack in the fall. And it's a mixed six pack. So you get, you know, one or two bottles of Diodere, you get a bottle of Black Label, you get a bottle of Dare, you get a bottle of Luminati. So um, we mix around. Um, so you get a good variety and get to really experience the wines. Uh, some aged, some library off- offerings, and some current release or some even pre-release. 
Um, we're, we're sending some 2017 stuff in the fall uh, pre-release. So um, it's a great way oh, to get great. our wines. You know, you, you only get a bottle or two, um, and you can reorder at a discount um, being a club member. Um, but, you know, we're, s- we're small productions, so things do sell out a great way for, you know, the V, for example, that, that typically sells yeah. out unless you're in the club. You don't get it. Fantastic. But, uh, so, yeah, we're, we're open and, and happy to have people over. So if you guys want to come visit, let me know. We we will put uh, that on ooh. our list. Yeah, an email to, to reach out is care, C-A-R-E, at viadare.com. That's a great way to C-A-R-E. reach out. Okay. okay. Uh, very good. So uh, if you all want to get a hold of them, then he just gave the information there. If you're in Napa, then by all means, make the trip up Howell Mountain to visit them. And uh, thank you, Alan, so much for taking your time tonight to visit with us. Great interview, a lot of information. I enjoyed it tremendously. Learned some stuff about about that area, too, so that was nice. And uh, My pleasure. We... uh, Next trip out to Napa, definitely you will be on the itinerary. I hope so. That would be great. <laughs> so have a good <laughs> evening. Thank you very much. All right. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye, guys. Uh-huh. Thank you. Uh-huh. Bye now. Where's my, uh, where's my applause, people? Uh, studio. There, there it is. Right. Way too late. I don't know what they yeah. were doing. They're way too late. They were um, they were drinking. I mean, he's talking about all those nice blends and everything, and they were drinking. You know, it just you know the bus people get that way, especially at the end of the show. You know, and, and um, very interesting about the uh, biodynamic he was talking about. That it, it's I know we haven't heard. No, it's like oh, I was, wow, that's I, huh. exactly exactly me too. I mean, you know, I I was uh, he said my mouth fell open. I'm going, wow. You know, it's because uh, we've talked about dynamics and people are talking about how great they are and, you know, how simple it is and, you know, how much better. And he even mentioned too, he said, we didn't see a great difference in the quality at the end. And I'm going, whoa, you know, it's just, it's always been my, my comment. You do all that work in biodynamics and is the end product going to be that much better. And yeah. what he was saying, no. So, you know, Wow, a lot of work. Um, yeah, well, that, you're right. That uh, was a very interesting comment on that. I yeah. surprised me. Don't I haven't heard that before, but uh, um, yeah. Well, that was. Uh, let's see what else. I don't think we have. Is it next week or a week after? We week after. I think it's next week. week after I we just have some news to pass on to you and try to get caught up on stuff, and then. We got what three right. weeks in a row? We have a guest. Yeah. No, two weeks in a row. Three weeks this month. Weeks, three other four weeks this month. Yeah, this is good. Um, and if you're out there tuned in and you want to refer somebody to us who's in the wine industry, like our guest tonight, Alan, and uh, all our past guests, thank you very much. Uh, you know, have yeah. them contact us. It's uh, the email address is all about wine one zero one at gmail. Dot com. Very simple. All about wine 101. It's like a class. This is all like about wine class. 101. That's, <laughs> That's why it. we came and, up uh, with it. All about wine 101. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> and, uh, well, my original email address didn't didn't turn out because I don't think that was going to catch on anyway. But that was kind of rejected. It was uh, everything you wanted to know about wine, but were afraid to ask at gmail dot com. Just too long an email address. <laughs> too long. And, uh, <laughs> Luck, and you get one letter wrong. Oh my God! It kicks it back. <laughs> yeah, well, and I had I had it mixed in, you know, like instead of the I, you had to hit the exclamation point and go to number one. You know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to encrypt it. I mean, yeah, you know, people were like, well, still trying to get into. <laughs> why didn't you just uh, call it yeah, all about one one one? Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> Mine, mine's like three L, you know, four, and then the rest of the sentence. Yeah. Is like, yeah. Uh, mark, underscore, something. Forget it. What? Forget it. Yeah. That's just, uh, nobody it's ever in a signal. It was quiet ever. for a while. You know, it but, was yeah. really quiet. You're going, what? Hey, this that's is not working out. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, yeah. Yeah. Forever to talk about it in the air, you know. Yeah. Just the beginning. Just, yeah. just, just like, you know, the oh, first geez. class in wine. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. so. Just the beginning. <laughs> um, but, uh, wow. What a, that was, that was pretty cool. And I took too yeah. so many notes here again. But, uh, Oh, I'm glad I didn't have to write all I can certainly type it, that's for sure. Um, so we uh, we will be back then next Thursday, uh, which is the 13th. 13th. Oh, 13th. Yeah, yeah, Friday the 13th uh, falls on a Thursday next week. Yeah. So. <laughs> <Okay. laughs> we'll be back. Right. And uh, thank you all for tuning in. Uh, unless you have any last-minute uh, things to say, I don't know what time. No, it is, uh, no, eight seventeen. No. no, caught up. Yeah. You all next week, and uh, thank you, Alan. Thanks again, for tuning for in. Yeah. Thank you, Alan. Yeah, definitely. Y'all be safe out there. Yeah. You know, stay safe and drink lots of wine. We'll see you next week. Yeah. Thank you. This concludes tonight's broadcast of All About Wine with your host, Ron. For show information, links to All About Wine on Twitter and Facebook, or to be a guest on the show, visit the show website at www.allaboutwinebtr.com. Archived shows are available for download on iTunes or on our show page at blogtalkradio.com forward slash allaboutwine. Thank you for listening. Drink responsibly, and we'll see you next time on All About Wine.